0: Hello, and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You are joined by your two usual hosts, uh, Tom Mannering. Hello. And myself, Josh Hartley. How are we doing this week, Tom?
1: I am doing well, thank you very much, Josh. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I went I'm very not... robotic there for some reason. I a, yeah. I a... Well, the thing is, uh, the, our listeners are probably aware of this. There's a bit of a conceit here because we have just been speaking before I hit record. It's not like we just both show up, stare at each other in silence for a bit, and then I hit record and then that's when we speak. You're so... A bit of a peek behind the curtain there, Josh. Mm, the know, magic well, of podcasting, podcasting. <laughs> but, uh, but yes so you you Tom Mannering, not a robot are good this week I can
1: confirm that I Tom Mannering, am not a robot and I am good yeah, yeah. no I'm I'm good um, I'm trying to think I've had a, a fairly uh, busy week hobby wise a mm-hmm. uh, couple of games as per the usual. Uh, a bit of model painting as well um Played uh, Star Wars with yourself uh, on Tuesday. You did? Uh, I ran Star Trek on Wednesday. Uh, I've actually got a, a pretty quiet weekend coming up, which is a, a luxury for me, mm-hmm. uh, because my, my Saturday night game is, is not on this week, because one of the players is at a tournament for uh, Age of Sigma, so we're taking a week off, which is nice. Oh, massive. nice. Nice. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, a bit, a bit quieter on, on that front. Um, but other than that, I've just been kind of, uh, about to be using the bit of time I've had to do a bit of session prep and uh, and do some reading on on various rules and things and mm-hmm. do a bit of painting of my uh, Crisis Protocol Marvel minis. I've I've painted up uh, Punisher now as well. Oh, so nice. Getting there, getting there.
0: Mr. Frank Castle. See? Frank Castle. I I'm know, really. I know a bit about you Marvel.
1: Do. I'm impressed. I, I will say, of all the. The Crisis Protocol minis I've painted so far, and he's number five. I am the least happy with him. Uh, Like I know you're 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 kind of your own worst critic in these things, yeah. But like he has more so than than the others that I've painted who are largely wearing masks. Uh, He has sort of the most. He he has a human face right on on the miniature, and I'm not very good at painting eyes, so I don't do it. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's fair. I'm I'm okay at skin. I do alright at skin which is a weird sentence, Uh, but it's like trying to make the hair and the eyebrows look natural with pain I really struggle with. And the hair's come out okay, but the eyebrows, <laughs> his eyebrows look a bit too thick. Uh So he looks oh, like wow. he's like, you know, he's had a, a really... Does he, look,
0: does he look like a wise old owl?
1: A little bit, yeah. <laughs> um So I, I need to kind of, I'm probably going to go revisit him and, okay. and try and do a bit of... A bit of touch up on his face, you know. Try and trim those eyebrows back a little yeah, bit. Give him a wax. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but other than that, it's been uh, it's been good. What about you? What have you been uh, been up to?
0: Yeah, uh, hobby wise, not an awful lot. Still been playing a bit of Magic the Gathering in uh, in paper. Um, and I had I had a game of Settlers of Catan last night with oh, that's uh, my a brother and a friend. So that was uh, that was good. I won, but you know we're not gonna. We're not going to abandon that. Uh, were you the sheep lord? Um, no, I like my uh, my my trick that I went for in that game was I um, went after development cards really aggressively. So okay. like I just got I got Biggest army and I got all the victory point cards. And that was that was my uh, route to victory. Although it, it it hung fairly in the balance for most of the game, it took a while for me to get going and. Uh yeah, could have could have gone either way, could have gone either way. It's all the 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 funny thing is, Oscar, my brother, is having miserable luck because uh, he put two of his settlements on like a five, which should come up fairly regularly on a on two d six, right? Mm. Barely ever. I think we rolled one throughout the entire game, and it was what? just like what 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 are the odds? And I'm like, well, <laughs>
1: like. Funnily enough, um, I think I probably said this on a, on a previous episode. I'm not a big fan of, of Settlers of Catan because it is largely a look-based game. I, I appreciate it as a game. I actually think it's quite a good game. Mm-hmm. It's just not a good game for me. No. And it, it, it always sort of becomes, for me, a, a, a sort of mockery of a game where I'll just pick a theme. <laughs> I, I have no interest in achieving a goal. I'll just be like, I'm going to be this crazy guy who tries to get all the sheep in the world, or yeah. all the wood in the world. Sure. Uh, I don't move on to any kind of objective with that. There's no <laughs> long game plan. I'm just a deranged sheep baron. Uh, because it, it's, it makes my own fun,
0: right? Like, Should, hold, hold on, hold on. Should that not be a sheep baron? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so funny.
1: <laughs> I want you to put a cricket sound in there. I, I will, it. I, I will,
0: I will, don't you worry, you you will listen to that, and you that will hear terrible. them
1: crickets. Absolutely terrible, I apologise to all of our listeners on behalf I of Josh. I do not. <laughs> Scott will probably appreciate that. Yeah, that's for you, Scott. There you go, one listener pleased, several yes. others driven away forever. <laughs> so we've got a few things to uh to chat about today Shall we start with uh a few bits of new release news not that there's too much but we can uh, we can touch on this yeah
0: we got um games workshop have uh, released a preview of their new uh season for warhammer underworlds and um, long-time listeners will be familiar with our thoughts and feelings on this game ben and i really enjoyed it i think you've played a few games of it as well and you're you, what, what what yeah what did you feel about it uh,
1: I I have had a mixed bag experience with, with Underworlds um, I, I enjoyed it mm-hmm. uh, when I played it um, but I think if I remember rightly it's been quite a long time since the games I played of it, I picked quite a complex I, I have a habit of doing this with new games I always pick a, a complex faction and right. nobody says to me Tom, that's quite complicated. You maybe don't want to play that. So, like my first couple of games uh, of it, I tried to play with sort of you know newer what were at the time newer teams that were maybe Mm. a little more complex than the the starter teams, Uh, and I think I had a bit of a bumpy ride. Uh, I think there's actually an episode we did on uh, a live stream. Uh, where we played it, and I <laughs> lost
0: my rank <laughs> because it just was not going well for me. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. that was um, when it, that was Halloween. I think we did that yeah, years I ago. Was. So aye. Um, um, for
1: for anyone who has never played a game with me, I am not. Uh, I'm not particularly secretive about this. I am not a good loser. Can uh, confirm. <laughs> I, I don't like to lose and I get really frustrated if I'm losing because of shitty dice rolls which is largely why I do lose because <laughs> I've pissed off the dice gods in a former life wow. um, so yeah that, uh, that was rough but I will say I absolutely love um, I love the visuals for warm Underworld yep. I, I love the the gaming tiles, I think they're really—they're always really nice. You know, they've got great gaming boards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the character um, that they bring to the individual, like groups and the teams. For it. you know, they always have a nice little aesthetic and, and kind of a theme. And these ones that they've—they've they've announced are no no different to that. Yeah. I sort of said to you before we came on, um, when you, you showed me these, that I thought the the miniatures looked really really nice. Mm-hmm. I, I especially actually like the. And it's not often I'll say this, but I really like the Stormcast Eternals uh, for this.
0: And they get—they've um, got a pet bird.
1: That's not why I like them, but yes, they do have that. But There's I like the—is it not? <laughs> I like the the lantern-bearing dude uh, uh, mm-hmm. or, or woman—I can't quite tell—person, uh, uh, yes. and I like the uh, the sort of very what's the right. They're very well posed Archer model as mm-hmm. well. I think that's got a really cool, like, dynamic pose to it as well. Yeah. Uh, I actually think the. The not orcs, but our orcs. Um, the Cruel
0: Boys, I believe, is the, the name.
1: Yes. Uh, I actually think they look a bit meh by comparison. Oh, enough. That's I think cool. they're okay models in general, but I think out of the two, the Stormcast definitely look more appealing than. Yeah. the... Than the cruel boys. What do you think?
0: No, I think that's fair. Um, I think they look nice. uh, Like both factions, uh, they don't look. um, I don't. I don't think I'm going to be picking it up personally. Uh, No. But yeah, I think I think it looks neat. How about that? (laughs) Looks neat.
1: It's like what you say to someone when you know you go to like a dinner party, like what do you think of the entrees? Oh, they're very neat. neat. (laughs) Yeah. You just don't quite know what else to say. But no, they're they're decent. Um, mm-hmm. uh, same as yourself, you know, I'm probably not going to pick this up. It's not a game I'm overly invested in. Yeah. If somebody has it and they want me to play it, you know, I'll, I'll usually grab one of their factions and play a game, sure. but it's not one that I've I've invested heavily in. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I was going to do anything with Underworld, I would probably use, I'd probably pick up the the factions that I like the look of mm. and, and use them in Age of Sigmar. Uh, I think I probably am going to do that for uh, some of my, my vampires um, mm-hmm. that I'm doing because I'm kind of picking out cool models for those. Speaking of which, actually, uh, on the subject of, of vampires, I have remembered something. Did uh, Games Workshop not recently announce some
0: game day minis as well? That they have out. Warhammer Day. Warhammer now, day. now some listeners might be there if you're like me in here josh points to his heart every day is warhammer day but 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 october don't shake your head that's the worst <laughs> it's like
1: it's like doing a podcast with a hallmark card
0: shut up right anyway uh, there's a hallmark card I'd get you just read shut up written on the front of it. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, yes, uh, Warhammer Day is uh, October 31st, I believe, if I recall correctly. Sure, why not? I don't well, know. <laughs> cool. You brought this up. I brought it up because of the models. Yeah, well, they've, re- they've revealed two new models and they look really neat. They're
1: yeah, popular. I really like the, uh, the vampire one. I'll be picking yeah. that up. Uh, I'm gonna make a special trip to my local Warhammer store uh, mm-hmm. to purchase that model.
0: Cool. So that will be that'll be coming out. So I'll post the link in the show notes so that you can see. So there we are. Let the show notes do the work for us. Yep. Yeah. Why? Why work hard when you can work smart? <laughs> um, exactly. So uh, the other thing to touch upon this week uh, before we get into our our main topic. Uh, is Essen Spiel is happening right now? Right now, as we're recording, they're getting it all set up. So we are. This is obviously one of the biggest um, conventions for gaming and toys uh, in the world. Uh, so usually there is a lot of announcements uh, made over over the uh, convention. So we're gonna we're gonna keep an eye out and um, report back on anything that catches our eyes. Um, Never been to Essen. I don't know if I would. Um, I think it would be kind of cool to go, but um, I'm not. I'm not chomping at the bit. It
1: tends but. to be a bit more Euro game centric, up for obvious reasons, yes. doesn't it? Essen, um, it's. I'm not a big, like, and I think I've said this before as well. I'm, I'm not a massive Euro game fan, mm-hmm. um, but there there have been some that I've I've really enjoyed that have come mm-hmm. out of it. Um, so it's always interesting to see what what we get and hopefully we'll get a few sneak peeks at some interesting stuff that we can talk about on next week's episode. Yeah. So, so tune in, I mean, listen to the rest of this episode, but yeah, then don't tune in
0: next week as well. Yeah. So, um, should we, should we dive into like our sort of main subject on uh, what has been going on? So uh, I think this, this topic was triggered by something that's happened recently in the YouTube community, um, I was going to say the Magic the Gathering YouTube community. Uh, it's strictly speaking, concerning a different game, but um, but it involves like community members there, and it kind of got us thinking about the whole subject of the financial side of our hobbies, you know, and the notion that you could actually, um, and there are people who do this. They buy. Um, they buy uh, components, cards, models, that sort of thing for the purpose of investment rather than for using them for gaming. Um, so what the, what has happened is there is a YouTube channel called Alpha Investments uh, and it is run and presented by a chap called Rudy on there. He's an American man, I believe he lives in Florida. Um, and his shtick, Florida man does whatever, yeah, I know... Um, his shtick is that the channel, uh, as you guess from the name, is concerned more about this financial element to trading card games. Most of the time, he's talking about Magic: The Gathering because that is the biggest one, and that's the one that you know that that has the biggest following, and certainly has the most expensive cards out there that you can buy. I think outside of like baseball cards. Um, However, there's a new uh, trading card game, or I say new. It's been out for a couple of years, I believe. Uh, Flesh and Blood. Never played it. Uh, I must admit, so I, I can't pass comment on the quality of the game itself. However, Rudy has uh, been championing this game, uh, and he's been championing it for a while. He'll do, um, you know, fairly regular videos on it, talking about how he's, you know, buying in sealed product of it, so you know the booster boxes and the like. For the purposes of investment, so as a bit of a thank you, what the uh, the creators of Flesh and Blood did was uh, they designed a unique card for him, and it's actually the card is uh, Rudy, uh, and uh, they made they gave him one thousand five hundred copies of this card, and it's all in like a nice presentation box. There's uh, some art cards that go with it as well. Um, And they gave it to Rudy for him to do whatever he saw fit with it. So he has 1,500 copies of this. So what he does, and we will link the video below, um, but he (laughs) announces to his Patreons that he is going to, for a period of 24 hours, sell these for $1,000 each. So each of these little presentation boxes, including the card, For $1,000. Any copies that he does not sell. He will burn. And destroy. So once they're gone. That's it. There is no more of them. Now and from what I understand. He sold all 1,500 copies that he received. So Rudy made himself $1,500,000. Over a twenty-four hour period, off the back of um, a collectible card game. So, uh, what are your what are your thought initial thoughts on this, Tom? So I think there's,
1: I have a few. Yeah, <laughs> surprisingly. Uh, I think from from my perspective on it, there's a couple of there's a couple of points of conversation. Right, there's obviously first the the fiscal value of cards in general Mm -hmm. but then there's also the exclusivity and and limited property of of certain collectible Mm -hmm. cards uh specifically in this example you know this this rudy specific card before i get onto that i just want to point out i don't know this guy right i don't watch his channel i'm not familiar with his work but that's a dick move like not (laughs) not necessarily the selling of the cards although Mm -hmm. that is a bit of a dick move uh but the, the whole like threatening to burn them like you're you're just basically making a scarcity threat yeah so like and, and that's just to ramp up the value right which from an investment point of view is a sensible thing to do right mm-hmm. you want supply and demand and scarcity uh, obviously breeds worth uh, and I get that side of it um, but this guy's been put in a position where this company have have rewarded his his loyalty to the brand, right? Mm-hmm. His promotion of the brand, and they've said we want to give you something that's, that's special. and, and I mean, imagine being an influencer. Uh, imagine if you if you if you were a high high tier mm-hmm. magic influencer, and, and Wizards of the Coast turn around to you and they're like, "We're gonna make a we're gonna make a Josh card. You know, we're gonna make the." the Josh card, and it's going to have you, it's going to have some artwork of you, you're going to have mm-hmm. abilities, it's going to be presumably legal in some degree of the game, potentially, or at the very least, very collectible within the game. That's such a privilege, right? That's mm-hmm. such an honor. You're you're made part of that canon, you're made part of, of that universe that you're invested in. And it's the same thing for, like, Critical Role, getting a and d supplement and things mm-hmm. like that. You're being included in the world that you're passionate about. So he's had this opportunity offered to him. He's been given these cards now on the one hand, I understand he's all about the fiscal value and the investment side of it and and I understand his perspective of I can sell these for a thousand dollars each and make a massive a, a massive profit you know one point five million is is a significant sum That's of, a money. Lot of money money um, yeah. however, the other way he could have done that which which I think would have been much more appropriate in context is he could have done those as rewards for his subscribers mm-hmm. and his his Patreons. He could have done it for charity, you know, which would have been a, a great way to do it as well. You know, auction them off for charity. Um, you know, there's there's so many things he could have done that would have would have been for me personally more in keeping with how that, that gesture should be paid forward. Sure. Than than what he's done. So I think personally I think it's a bit disgusting, uh, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, I understand him wanting to take some value away from it and I think he could have even done that, uh, you know, if he'd done like a mm-hmm. I'll sell them and I'll donate fifty percent of the proceeds to charity if you want to go that way with it, or something like mm-hmm. that, and meet meet in a middle ground. Um but yeah, it's just it it strikes me as really icky and, and just really self serving. Um, it's not actually. He's not done something for the community. He's done something for himself, mm-hmm. and he's he's profiting off a company's interest and and gratitude for
0: him. Um, that's my general thoughts on it. Anyway, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I, so, so just to caveat a bit what you've said there, uh, and I would encourage people if, if if just check check his channel out and watch some of his videos because you're you're quite right. It is kind of a scummy thing to do, but. And I can't quite figure this guy out, but he he definitely sort of presents himself as... And I think that's kind of the joke of the channel, is that he's presenting himself as this scummy investor type. So I don't know how much is him and how much is an act. Mm. Uh, it's very difficult to tell. Um, I think uh, there's definitely some of it is genuine, though, because, you know, he decided to do this. <laughs> yeah i mean but, uh, this this action
1: speaks to the you know that the, there is some degree of that character in the reality mm-hmm. and unless he is and this could be the case he may well have got that money and then he has donated it to a charity or he has done something else with it and he's paid it for yeah and it's like
0: for, you know for all we know that that is exactly what he has done um mm. the the other thing is he was in his video he, he does describe it, it i can't mind his exact words but this is he he is acknowledging that what he is doing is a bit of a scam and uh, he's basically running it as an experiment to see how it would go. And I don't know if he expected to sell all of them, (laughs) but I think that was... uh, I I think what he was wanting to do was sort of... Well, I think what he was really wanting to do was make $1.5 million, but... Uh, a byproduct of that is demonstrating how companies use uh fomo fear of missing out tactics to drive sales and to push prices up and, that was
1: not an experiment that needed proven <laughs> <laughs> you know that that's like going if you put your hand in a in a jug of boiling water it will burn you mm. like yeah we know <laughs> that's that's pretty obvious at yeah. this point you know and and you can put it as an experiment. You can put it as as a character or whatever. But it, you know, it is what it is. He has he has pocketed one point five yeah.
0: million. There is um, something to be noted about the card itself. Now, it is not legal in. Um, I don't believe it's legal in any format okay. of, of flesh and blood. So it can't be played in, in an irregular deck. Even if it was, the mechanics of the card are based around you having PSA graded, like PSA 10 graded cards. Now, if you're not familiar with what that is, uh, PSA, a company that basically examine very expensive trading cards, and they will score it out of 10. So Mm -hmm. 10 being the perfect card. No one has that. No one's going to do that. And like, if you... And when you get them PSA graded, they're put in a big, great, big, ch- chunky plastic case, so you couldn't use it in a normal deck a deck of cards anyway. So the whole ju- the the whole card is a joke, mm. right? Um, so this is this this thing has purely been created as a collector piece, right? There, it has no it has no functionality at all in the game of Flesh and Blood, as okay. far as I am aware. Okay. So. To me, that makes it a bit more... It, it makes it a little bit more okay, what he's done, because it's not like this is a super powerful card that if you want to play at the highest level, you kind of need to get. Which kind of brings us nicely on to... Um, other like the, 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 the wider notion of people investing in assets from a, a, a trading card game or miniatures uh, uh like uh, exclusive miniatures and the like so why like i think uh, many of our listeners will be familiar with the reserve list the reserve list is basically a list of uh cards that wizards of the coast committed to never reprinting and they did this decades ago because there was a, basically they reprinted a bunch of cards and it caused the prices of them to drop. Back then, it caused the prices to drop from like a hundred dollars down to like twenty dollars. Uh, to, to put into context, rather than what they are now, those cards are now worth. Mm. But because of the backlash to that, they committed to never reprinting those certain cards. Because at, even as early as that, so this is like the late 90s, I think they introduced the reserve list. People were using. We're clearly thinking of it on some level of it being a financial investment. It has grown arms and legs, though. Now we have got like cards are being sold for literally hundreds of thousands of dollars each. You have uh, people who collect, you know, individual cards, individual, like uh, boxes of sealed product for um, for the sole purpose of you know investing in an asset to see it grow in value over time. And these are, and it's not like these are things that okay in the game that they don't really serve much of a point. There, there are cards on the reserve list that are considered the best cards ever made, and that if you want to play formats like vintage, you need to own those cards. Yeah, it's as simple as that. You need to invest the tens of thousands of dollars to get the even the cheapest printings of those cards Um, It's an interesting point though because I think
1: one thing that when we're talking about this we do need to bear in mind, especially with card games, to a lesser degree with miniatures and things, Mm -hmm. but these magic and things are are born of games that were, uh, they're not born of games they're born of the predecessors, which was trading cards which were like your baseball cards and things like that, you know, that was the that was the progenitor. That was the kind of the original mm-hmm. sort of trading cards. There was no game, you know, and then the game element was brought in. So it's, it's an interesting kind of shift in focus because you had obviously trading cards, which have, have always been a, a value-based product in many ways, you know, where people have collected them because they have collectible and, and mm-hmm. financial value down the line. And then you had Magic come in as a, a trading card game, which has has combined two aspects that two aspects that fundamentally don't really go together you know they're they're two very different uh sides of a coin and you've got sort of some people who will play it as a game and some Mm -hmm. people who will collect it as a as a as a trading card and collectible aspect Mm -hmm. and then some people who will do a fusion of the two and as you you rightly reference there some people who need the the valuable aspects for the game aspect as well Mm -hmm. which is Madness, really, when you think about it um but it's it's interesting that for me i i I played magic very early days. I think magic was in like the second set when I joined the second or third set um, oh. <laughs> when it when it first came out, and card value wasn't a big thing at that point in time. Mm-hmm. it was there you know your your black lotuses and things like that were were appearing and were becoming you know well known for having value. Um, and your early prints, even at that point, had already started to accumulate some value. But mm-hmm. the focus was on the game, not on the card value. And I remember back in the day, this is sort of pre-internet times as well, or at least, you know, uh, pre-consumer internet. Mm-hmm. Um, you, If you wanted to find out a card's value, uh, bearing in mind at this point in my life, I actually worked in a toy shop that sold magic uh, yeah. and, and similar products and we had a we had a magazine rack and we sold gaming related magazines so mm-hmm. we had your, your white dwarves and uh things like that but we also had um magazines that would have lists at the back that would have that month's card values in them yeah. and that was how people got card values at that point you had a monthly or fortnightly listings that came it's out in of, <laughs> of magazines and you know people would come out and you'd flick to it and i remember i played um star trek uh the card game which was another fairly early collectible card game uh and i remember that being in the in the listings as well you know you had like you'd buy this magazine right and it was like a yellow pages to be fair mm-hmm. and the the front maybe quarter would be magazine and then the back was just, you know, a small phone book of card listings for different games and how much they were worth. Um, and you didn't see, you know, the kind of values that you you talk about now. You saw quite, I don't want to say reasonable, but comparatively reasonable mm-hmm. uh, values for cards. So it's a very different sort of approach. And you saw a similar thing happen with the comic book market as well. Like when comics first came out, they didn't have value, you know. They were just yeah. they were just comics, and it took until probably like the eighties and nineties when there was kind of the explosion in the comic book market and the subsequent collapse, where card uh, comic value became a thing, and like mm-hmm. your your um, first Detective Comics and things like that actually started to to go for silly sums of money yeah and then what happened off the back of that is loads of comic companies printed like first editions of things and collectible editions of things to manufacture a product that would have value mm-hmm. but what happened was everybody went out and bought them and like foil wrapped them and sealed them away in vacuums mm-hmm. and they never actually got the value that they wanted to have and the bubble burst because yeah. everybody had prepped for that situation so it's it's interesting that your rarity with cards like Magic and things is something they are manufacturing. They are creating that that rarity, that scarcity mm-hmm. um, for these cards, and and it's exactly the same as what Rudy's done. You know, to a degree, there's obviously going to be rarity because there's only a limited number of copies. But by threatening that destruction, he has he's increased the the potential risk of of scarcity as well mm-hmm. beyond what was already there to 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 ramp up the value. So. I know I've rambled for a bit there. No, no, no it's, it's <laughs> uh, good though. But you know, these these are all things that like have come before, uh, be it in the trading cards, in the comics, and 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 have developed within you know Magic, Pokemon, Legend of the Five Rings. You mm-hmm. know all these these sort of early card games, uh, and to a lesser degree in in other card games. But if you look at stuff like, let's take Keyforged for example, right, which is a, a fairly recent. Uh, card game and not one that you say much of anymore to be fair nope. uh, but that never really kind of exploded with you know massive values because it was new and it, it didn't have the same appeal across the board either and it kind of seemed to i don't want to throw it under the bus but it seemed to flop as well a little what,
0: bit well what I noticed about Keyforged was it was very well liked by people who didn't play trading card games yeah <laughs> so it was uh, it was very popular with like the board gaming I do remember e- e- Ian from the Giant Brain uh, was really keen on it um, mm. and to be fair I tried it and I thought yeah it's fine but then I went back to Magic the Gathering <laughs> this is what I play so, this is fine but this is better <laughs> yeah but um, it's just... And here's the thing, right? You can't... If you're into these hobbies, you cannot ignore it. No. You, I mean, you can try, but ultimately, if you want to, if you want to uh, take part in this... like, And we're using Magic the Gathering a lot as an example, but I think this is the, the case where it is the most pronounced and explicit. that um, If you want to play Magic the Gathering... At a certain level, so just beyond, like yeah, just let's get the intro decks and whatever. If you want to like get to like the next level, you have to be aware of the financial value of of those cards because Mm. it's important. You need you need to make decisions when you're on. Okay, well, what what am I willing to pay, and what do I want to get from it? You know, and I'm starting to get to a position in my own collection where. I've got I've got a lot of the cheap cards that I've wanted. We're now starting to get into some of the more pricey stuff that I'm wanting to buy. And Don't do it, Josh. Don't you do it? Well, I, and it, here's the thing, right? Um, I could tell you the mo- the mo the most I've spent on a single card, right? I think he, I think you've told me this before. I think I know it. it. Is about
1: a hundred quid? Is it something like that?
0: No. Uh, so the most money I've spent on a single card has been sixty five pounds
1: okay so I'm um, not that
0: far off yeah it the most valuable card i have is worth more than 100 pounds because okay. i happen to win it in a in a, in a competition so Fair. um and that's that was through skill not not like a not, not like a, a post right it right in with an answer competition yeah flex flex that yeah um <laughs> But but yeah, I mean, I and it's something I need to bear in mind because I, I I I don't think it's an exaggeration. My collection, of Magic the Gathering cards, will be worth four figures at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it'll be much like in a, a very high level, but mm. uh, it'll be worth that. And whilst I'm I'm more invested in Magic the Gathering than most people, I am nowhere near on the the scale of some other people. Yeah. Like I don't. I, like i say if you want to play vintage your deck probably costs the the a, a similar value that you'd spend on a car yeah so it and that's insane that's crazy so you have yeah. to you, you have to do your research and you know understand how much is this hobby going to cost me and how much am i willing to willing to spend on it because
1: see i have i have kind of mixed feelings about it because there there's an element of me that that like scarcity and, and rarity. and I'll, I'll use a, an example that's, that I've personally come into to contact with, mm-hmm. which is uh, within the MMO uh, game sphere. Sure. So you will get, uh, at points in time, you will get MMOs that re- release cosmetics within game. So mm-hmm. they'll release a horse or a skin or something like that, a mount. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, oh, you know, it's a special limited edition uh, mount that you can buy for the next month. Uh, It'll be, you know, £10 or something like that. Uh, Or they'll release a collector's edition of the game that comes with a special mount or something like that. And I'll be like, oh, that's cool. I kind of want that because that's cool. It's rare. It's, you know, it's funky and that. It's not really going to accumulate value because Mm -hmm. it's a digital product. Some do, but a lot of them, you know, they get linked to your account. And the only way you're really going to, pay the money to sell your account, which does happen. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh in part and large, you're buying something for the coolness factor and then mm-hmm. it goes away. And that's that's kind of more your for more and, you know, they're latching onto that kind of thing to give you something cool. Um in in a different context that is more sort of in line with Magic the Gathering and D and D uh and, and, and Warhammer and things like that as well, you'll get these kinds of things where, you know, they release a limited edition model mm-hmm. and I both like and dislike that because on the one hand, it's a cool way of like punctuating a moment in, in the hobby, you know, whether it's like the 25th anniversary of a game or a particular event, you know, like the games day models mm-hmm. that you used to get when you went to an actual games day as well. Mm-hmm. And they were really good for showing, you know, I was there, I got this, I was part of it. The problem is if you come into a hobby after the fact, or if at that particular point in time... You maybe just don't have the expendable income... You miss out on on something... And you, you can either never get it... Or mm. you're going to pay over the odds to get it... Because you will get people who buy them... With the explicit intent of selling them on... Five, ten years after the fact... For yeah. a massive value... Uh, and it's it's a tricky one... Because on the one hand you're like... Well yes it has gained value... And you do have a right to sell it on... For that increased value... But on the other hand, it is manufactured value because it was promoted as a limited edition thing. And I get, it, it's a very conflicting thing for me because I'm like, I know why you do it and I don't necessarily disagree with it, but I don't entirely agree with it either yeah. for that reason. <laughs> I I like when things accumulate value naturally. Mm-hmm. So if you release something, uh, Magic is, is in some ways actually a good example of this, especially the earlier cards. Uh, that mm-hmm. have gone on like the reserve list. You know, they were released what twenty plus years ago now. Um, you know, they are old, old products that are just not available anymore because mm-hmm. their time has been and gone. And if you've had those cards and you've looked after them, you've maybe collected them and put them somewhere safe. They have just accumulated value organically because they are rare by their very nature of being old. And you know, mm-hmm. a lot of them will have been destroyed, lost, damaged, whatever. Um, and that's kind of organic, and that doesn't yeah. bother me so much because that's just happened naturally over time with a product that at the time wasn't that rare. You know, Black Lotus, at, at a certain point, wasn't that hard to get. It was hard to get, but it wasn't, you know, you weren't limited yeah. in, in that context. You know, if you went in at the right time and you, you invested enough, you could have got one accidentally. <laughs> um Whereas now you know, it's obviously something that goes for thousands and thousands of pounds. Um, mm. and that's kind of natural and I don't mind that. But these these manufactured scarcities, you know, we're releasing a thousand of this card or we're doing this. I'm like, you're you're just doing that to force values up and that kind of just takes away from it. You're creating scarcity, you're you're pushing on four more and you're you're just organically force you're you're not organically creating it, you're forcing a value
0: onto this by your actions. And that pees me off a little bit. And you're seeing it a lot in companies lately. I think, you know, I, it's not just Wizards of the Coast. I've seen it with Games Workshop as well, with their limited runs and mm-hmm. and the like. So, 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 what can men do against such reckless FOMO? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what can you do in the face of such adversity? <laughs> I think like the thing for me and and i try and kind of rationalize this myself and 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 i i won't lie i've been caught in it right i have mm-hmm. there's been I, I can look over at my shelf now and i can see things you that can I've, see the product of fomo yeah i can see <laughs> this i But like i just don't want to miss it you know i don't want to, yeah. I don't want to miss that like um a, a classic example that's in my cupboard of shame and i've i reference this far too often on the podcast right mm-hmm. but i I'm going to keep referencing it because it, it shouldn't, shouldn't be forgotten. It's a word of warning. It's Dreadfleet, right, from Games Workshop. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, Dreadfleet was pushed as this, you know, this is the the next big thing. It's going to be your next uh, Space Hulk. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really rare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you want to get it while it's around. Didn't pan out like that. You know, some people, like the idiot here, went out and was like, I've got to get my copy of Dreadfleet and, you know, I really want to have this. But it just... Gavin yeah,
0: just... you're you're in good company. I fell for the Dreadfleet trick as well. I think I you think... fell from the Dreadfleet trick from me. Too. Yeah, yeah. This is like this is like you recruited me into your Ponzi scheme. <laughs> like, <laughs> One day, Josh, it's going to be worse. Ben's something. got a copy of Dreadfleet as well, although I think someone gave it to him at least, so he's he's it's... got that.
1: It is, it you know, it's it's one of these things where it doesn't pan out. You know, they
0: try yeah. to they try to create this value to it, and you buy into it. Imagine, imagine being the guy who bought like ten copies for the purposes of oh, investment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's
1: like the people who you know hoarded toilet roll to sell it on, yes. and descended <laughs> up with, with kitchens filled with toilet roll, which is you know kind of good um, hmm. that they got their comeuppance. But yeah, it is it it is kind of trying to manufacture, and it's quite funny in a way to see it kind of flop. You know, when it's been tried mm. to be forced like that. Um, but it, it is a it's a tricky one, you know. And I think you've got to look at it and go, right? Do I actually want this thing? Like, mm-hmm. or am I just buying it because it it's going to potentially accumulate value? Now, I can't say to someone, don't buy something because you you want it to be worth something down the line. Yeah. You know, if, if you choose to do that, if that's how you choose to make your money, fair play to you. You know, that's it's your money. You do with it what you want. If you mm-hmm. want to, you want to buy collectible things. Um, and they're gonna they're gonna get value for you down the line. Fair play. That's your mm-hmm. your choice to do that. I think it's just about approaching it. If you're not doing that, approach it with a degree of like level headedness. Mm-hmm. You know, don't just buy something because a company's pushing formal on you. Look at is it something you really want? Is it something you're gonna either use or have personal value to beyond the fiscal value that's attributed to it? And is it is it something that's gonna bring Enjoyment to your life by mm-hmm. by having it um and if not you know don't get the collector's edition just get the normal edition or just don't bother yeah you know it's it's a personal choice and and everyone's got to make their own mind up on that but I know I've been caught in it I've seen other people caught in it and it's it can be quite shady to say mm-hmm. the least um but just don't don't be taken in yeah you know and I'll tell you what though I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a rant for a very brief moment. The it's one like thing that you. does pee me off is when a company releases something as a limited run or a collector's edition or whatever it is like that, and it's only available till October or March or whatever, and then three years later they release it again, and I'm like,
0: Space Hulk, get bent. <laughs> right, that is that
1: is a shitty thing to do. If if you as a company mm-hmm. or a provider are doing that you should be ashamed of yourself.
0: Wow, strong words for me. Well, it is Some because hiring. you're
1: it's false advertising. Yeah, right? Yeah. Fundamentally, you are selling something. You're you're using FOMO, which is shitty enough in itself. But then you're you're selling something on that premise. People are buying into your premise, whether it's for passion or value or investment, and then you're you're throwing that down the toilet for them 3 years later by going, "Huh?" <laughs> Here
0: it is again. <laughs> oh well. YOLO. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's one of the stuff.
1: one of the few things I will say for, for Blizzard, something that Blizzard did that I can actually commend them for. There was uh they did a charity drive for breast mm. cancer awareness um, for Overwatch and what they did was they sold a really nice skin for one of the characters. It was called the Pink Mercy skin. Yep. Um and it was really, really popular. Uh, And I was going to get it, and I missed it by a day. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I was like, I'll get it when I get paid. Didn't check the date, and when I went on payday, it had gone. And I was like, that's on me, right? I messed up. And loads of people have called for years for Blizzard to sell this again. And they're like, no, it was a limited event for this charity. You know, we we raised money for charity, selling Mm -hmm. this as a limited skin. If we make it available again, we take away the the value of it we yeah, take away yeah. the specialness of it so, and i'm going to say this and in a week they're going to announce they're doing it again i'll be yes. you know have egg on my face but but it was something that they did that i was like okay it's only a skin it maybe isn't going to have any value down the line but it retains the specialness yeah. for that person
0: yeah um, yeah i suppose like the 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 way i don't mind this seeing this is when it doesn't have a material like owning the thing doesn't have a material impact on the game yeah right so like Games Workshop put out limited edition miniatures like all the time. Do you need to own that miniature to have the best army? No. It's just a cool little collector thing. Yep. Um, so that that's I, I don't mind it so much in that scenario. But um yeah, if you're printing something with scarcity and it's actually really good, Wizards of the Coast, um yeah, that's a bit meh.
1: I suppose now would be a a good time to talk about our new limited edition Unlucky (laughs) (laughs) Podcast.
0: He's kidding. We're not doing that yet. But if you do want to support the podcast, uh, you can do so by heading over to our Patreon. There we are, Seamless. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, uh, you'll see the three different tiers and it it, it, for as little as a dollar, really helps us out. So we do appreciate each and every one of them. It keeps the light on,
1: and it means I can take Josh out of his cupboard a couple of times a week. Yeah, for my beating.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, it's super dark! (laughs) And on that note, I think that's all we've got time for. Jesus! So, as always, guys, thank you very much for listening, and until next time, take care. Bye! disclaimer, Josh is not kept in a cupboard and beaten on any regular basis. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. (laughs) Bye!